Follow a bagel and a donut cross-country as they steal a titty statue, get chic French haircuts, convert to Catholicism for a hot priest, and suppress years of childhood trauma and self-loathing? I'm Victoria. And I'm Juliet, and welcome to a Bagel and a Donut podcast. Episode 2 of A Bagel and a Donut Podcast, the podcast where we talk about media we're passionate about. On today's episode, we're talking about a TV show, but before we get to that, we have a special guest. The emo trio is complete. All three of us are here. Um, Please say hello to the wonderful and amazing Carrie. Hi, I'm so excited. This is thrilling. Um, Also, we decided that we all have to be a baked good with a hole in the middle, so I am a bundt cake. Um, and Ooh. also, shameless plug, we three collectively run a bookstagram called at Sunday Reads, Sunday as in the ice cream, so please go give us a follow there and let us know what you think about the podcast and what you want to see next. Okay, y'all, I guess we can get into it, so... It's time. You know, we're going to be talking about a little TV show today, um, something that we're all quite passionate about and we all love a lot, um... And it's the TV show Fleabag. So for the people out there who don't know what Fleabag is, it's a British comedy drama series written by and starring the brilliant and beautiful Phoebe Waller-Bridge. It's kind of hard to explain what the show is about because it's very character-driven and less plot-driven. But I can give a, a little background info about it before we start talking about it and our feelings. Um, so Fleabag has two seasons, and it is ending at two seasons. Um, there's no third season in the foreseeable future. Um, the first season was released in 2016, and the second season in 2019. They each only have six episodes, so if you're looking for a really good show to binge watch, this is it. You're welcome. Um, it won a bunch of awards at the 2019 Emmys, deservedly in my opinion. Um, And in addition to starring Phoebe Waller-Bridge, it also includes actors such as Olivia Colman, Sean Clifford, Bill Patterson, Brett Gilman, (laughs) Andrew Scott, Jenny Rainsford, and Hugh Skinner. Um, Now, I did say that the show is kind of difficult to explain, but I'm going to try and give a little bit of a general, very small synopsis, which is that the show follows a witty woman known only as Fleabag to us. As she struggles with a failing guinea pig-themed cafe, her obsession with sex and overwhelming grief. Sounds like a fun time, I know. It's actually really fun. (laughs) It's not that much of a downer. Sometimes it is, but it is definitely a comedy too. Um, So I guess if we want to talk about our general thoughts first, before we get into spoilers, um, entice people to watch the show because we love it so much. Any general thoughts, y'all? Yeah, so I just want to second that it's very difficult to explain because I was trying to recommend it to my sister the other day and she's like, what's it about? And I was like, I don't know how to answer that question because I always describe it as a comedy and that's definitely true. Like, it is funny, but it also is, like, tragic at times and it really goes to, like, both extremes of emotion. So that makes it just harder to explain for me. Yeah, I would say another issue I have is when I recommend it to people, 
I think they watched the first episode, <laughs> and the first episode puts some people off. Like it's a little bit raunchy when it first starts, and I'm always like, "Listen, you gotta keep watching because it gets so good. Like it's definitely a comedy, and it's on the surface level very funny, and I guess maybe a little raunchy, even though you don't really see anything." Um, but I always tell people you have to keep watching because I've recommended it to some people and they've stopped watching it after the first episode because they're like, well, I just couldn't get into it. And I was like, please, you have to keep going, <laughs> please. Yeah, that's the problem I had when I was showing it to my ex. I was just like, this show is genius. The show is so good. And um, we, we watched the first episode and obviously it starts how it starts. And I was just like, oh, he's going to really like the joke where she talks... Um, <laughs> it's it's the first 10 seconds where she mentions when she mentions her asshole and and he was just like um what am i watching and i'm just like no you don't get it it's so good so you just gotta push through yeah i oh, i just think it's so brilliantly written like i cannot express to you enough how well it is written and i also feel like i know this is something we've discussed before amongst ourselves not on the podcast but i feel like it's a show or like a rare show that feels very feminine in its gaze like or in how it's telling the story and I can't always express it because there's nothing I mean obviously it's a, it is about a modern woman living her life in London and all the struggles that come with that um but it's not like you know men can't enjoy it or whatever but it's one of the few shows I've seen where I definitely feel like it has a feminine gaze and it just feels so relatable even though I don't feel like I'm a lot like Fleabag but it just feels very real yeah yeah I I know I really appreciate because it's it's so hard to recommend because like uh we were saying it's kind of a dark comedy but also it's a little different than most dark comedies um and also like has a lot of like cringy gross out humor but like specific to women which of course, I appreciate it because it's just like, yeah, no, like, of course women go to the bathroom. <laughs> like, please. Yeah. Um, I will say also, like, it's definitely one of my comfort shows. I come back to it a lot. I rewatch it a lot. Partly because it's easy to rewatch. It's only 12 episodes and episodes are like 20 to 30 minutes or whatever. But I also just... Uh, I just enjoy watching it so much. Also, I don't know if we want to get into... Like, which season we think is better. I personally think season two is my favorite as opposed to season one. But I know that we might not all agree about that. I don't know if you guys have an opinion. Yeah. Okay, the first time I watched it through, I think I liked season one better. Um, and season one is, like, based on the one-woman show, like, the play that yeah. Phoebe Waller-Bridge wrote. So it's, like, she wrote that play and then did the first season. And I think at that point she considered it done. And, like, it felt like a very, like tight storyline like it was finished at the end and then it goes into season two which is like very different in a lot of ways and the second time I watched it through I think I liked season two better um we're not in the spoiler section yet so I won't talk about why but Victoria thoughts I'm also in the camp of I just really love season two it's it's everything I love even though rewatching season one um i forgot about and i think i can say this like the softer moments that were contained in that season yeah no i agree rewatching season one there were a lot of moments that hit me harder maybe even than 
my rewatch of season two just because I didn't remember them happening and I was like how could I forget this there were a lot of softer moments I think I always just generalize season one as I don't want to say being less deep because it's very deep or whatever but mm-hmm. I just forgot a lot from it and I will also say I think episode one of season two is like a masterpiece I don't want to say it's a masterpiece because obviously you can always find something wrong with a piece of art but episode one of season two is really truly amazing I won't say it's a masterpiece, but I will say that it is a short film. Season 2, episode 1 is a whole short film. Yes. There is development. There is conflict. Um, I don't know if you guys have any other general thoughts, or if we want to get into a little bit of spoilers. Anything else to say? Um, We vaguely touched on, like, because this is so woman heavy like these are these are the thoughts and feelings that came from a woman that came from like a one woman play and stuff like that that like obviously like men can like it but they it it may be harder for them to like it but like what kind of women would possibly not like the show if you can think of that uh i don't want to be stereotypical (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's kind of hard it feels like a loaded question we don't have to answer that no no i can answer it i think Especially with season two, maybe certain women that are very, very religious may not like season two. But I think season two actually takes a very open approach to religion. Like something where I think religion gets kind of a bad rep in the modern society where we're all like, how can God exist when we have science? Like I think season two takes a very open approach to religion. Maybe that's more understanding than other takes might be. But also there are some, there are reasons why I think very, very religious people may not like it. I don't know. Or maybe if you're not very comfortable with like sex things or like you don't like seeing very sexual things on your screen, even though you don't actually see anything. Like this isn't Game of Thrones. We're not seeing anybody's, you know, (laughs) junk out here. Like it's not like that, Um, but it's definitely implied. So I think if you don't like that, also... I'm trying to think because my cousin watched it and she is a woman and she was the person who was like, oh, I didn't really like episode one. I couldn't really get into it. So I'm trying to think about what would have put her off. I think people also who don't like fourth wall breaking, I really Mm. like how it's I guess we should have mentioned this. The fourth wall is broken in the show and it's a very integral part to how the show, like, I don't want to say is run, how it operates. Um, And I guess I've heard some people really don't like that. Like, they feel like it's too much of a gimmick. But I think the way that it's used in the show is very unique and actually serves a purpose beyond, look, we're breaking the fourth wall. Isn't this so cool? Um, But I I could see why some people maybe wouldn't like that. I don't know if you guys have any other ideas. Yeah, I think um, it's a really interesting question. And, like, the more I think about it, um, I'm thinking about something Juliet said earlier. Um that like she's not that much like Fleabag and yet it's still relatable and I just think she is a relatable character but you almost wish you didn't relate to her because she does a lot of things that she probably shouldn't do and that can be almost like uncomfortable to watch but at the same time it is also my comfort show so like I don't know what that says about me but that's just my thought is like some people might find it uncomfortable because you don't want to relate and yet you do. That's true. Yeah, I feel like 
there are times where I was like uncomfortable <laughs> maybe how much I related to her and I could see if you don't want to have to deal with that you maybe wouldn't want to watch it yeah it's very much a Bojack scenario oh um, yes <laughs> we should do a Bojack episode no one wants do not be like Bojack <laughs> even though we all maybe are a little bit <laughs> just a smidge um I had a thought when you were talking about stuff but now it's left me but the one thought I did remember, which um, could be our last point before we move on to the spoiler section, which is um, that you're correct, and I agree with you in the sense that this is kind of a, a tangent, um, where season two handles religion, like, pretty well in the fact that, like, you know, the character has thoughts about religion, and they sh reflect both sides, and they never once say this man is wrong for for having his faith and stuff like that and having that like respect which um goes beyond um religion in season two but the show has like such a good respect for all the topics that they talk about even when Fleabag does slash was a part of a lot of bad things happening they always look at it with like yes she is going through a lot her life is messy but there are reasons for this and she can still get better. Another thing I will say I appreciate that is that yes, we're also we're focusing on Fleabag as our main character. She has a messy life and how she's trying to change and grow from that. But another thing I appreciate about the show is that other characters are also messy and they're not just left at being like messy, which we can talk about this more in spoilers, um, but they actually also get to grow a little bit and we see like I think there are certain characters where it would be really easy to leave them as like this person's terrible and we hate them but they're also given a chance to grow a little bit and just like just because Fleabag is our main character it doesn't mean that she deserves any more sympathy than these other characters and I think that's really interesting. Any other thoughts before spoilers? No I think we can jump in. Okay, so goodbye people who don't want to be spoiled. I mean, we'll be talking about, I think, the characters first, which will probably contain some spoilers, so maybe you don't want to listen. Um, but if you have watched the show and you want to stick around, or if you don't care about spoilers, then come listen with us. Listen to our thoughts. Listen to us rant about characters. Yes. Okay. Spoiler section, starting now. Um, so I guess we could start with Fleabag. <laughs> she is our main character. <laughs> I guess. I mean, we know. Let's start with Martin. <laughs> Never. A concept? <laughs> the true star of the show. Um, okay, so guys, I didn't actually know what Fleabag meant when I started watching this show. And I had to look it up. Like, I didn't understand what it meant. And I didn't, because they never call her Fleabag in the show. They never call her anything, but people just assume that that's, like, what her name is. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess for the people who don't know, like me, a pleb, um, apparently a flea bag is a shabby and unpleasant person or thing. Which, I guess, describes flea bag. I think she outwardly is quite unpleasant to a lot of people. <laughs> um, any thoughts? I'm, yeah, I mean, the namesake is all, I think, all because, like, 
she thinks of herself as a flea bag. Like she has an awareness of like how she acts around people um, because she does a lot of unpleasant things to people because she has, especially in season one, kind of no understanding about how to healthily have relationships with people. And so does things to keep them at a distance, but also kind of keep them intrigued by her and keep them like chasing after her again. And we see this, that uh, this is especially how she treats um her male relationships. But like, she has the awareness, like she knows she's an awful person doing awful things, but she knows that there's also more to her. But it, 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 it it's the self-loathing. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's interesting to think about just the title and the way that like the camera operates in the show, which we'll get to definitely. Um, but you wonder if like Fleabag is her perception of herself or if that's how everyone sees her, or if that's how she thinks everyone sees her, like there's layers uh, to that, I guess. I also wonder if it's like how she wants us to see her, even though even though a flea bag obviously is not a good thing to be, it also prevents her from being vulnerable. Like you said, like how she treats her male relationships, like she's in it for the sex, she doesn't want anything that's like emotionally intimate or anything like that. Um, and that's kind of her way of keeping people at a distance. So the way that she's like very, is cavalier the right word? I don't know, cavalier about sex? Or the way she kind of, like she literally like steals money from one of the tooth man on their first date. And is like, <laughs> she gets mad at him when he's like, oh, I don't really wanna have sex on this first date. Like I have work tomorrow. She gets mad at him. Um, so I feel like she, her being a flea bag, like she knows that she's being rude and kind of a terrible person, but it's also kind of like a barrier that prevents her from getting too close to anyone because she's afraid that people will actually see who she is and not like her because of that, because of the things that she's done, I think, regarding Boo and how she kind of betrayed Boo. I also think she's a bit relatable because she's very lonely like i don't i don't know if she has any friends except i mean she had boo and she has what's her name hillary Hillary. (laughs) but i think she's also quite lonely which maybe is i don't know if it's more relatable now than in the past but i think especially for like young woman living alone like I think it could be relatable especially if you move to a new city or something like that um I don't know yeah she's kind of sad she's funny too (laughs) (laughs) she is funny I every single time in the first episode um Fleabag and Claire raise their hand um to that uh, yeah. I would I would take off five years of my life for the perfect body, and it's it's Can kind of say, great. And I'm surprised they're not the only people that raise their hands because there is a tiny part of me that was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and again, this is what makes Fleabag so great. It's just like all of these bad thoughts that everyone, especially women, kind of have. Um, that we can't project out into the world because then it's just like, well, you're a bad feminist then. Well, you're a bad person then. Well, you're just playing into the patriarchy then. When it's just like, just sit, just like, I just want to, I just want to say like, I feel ugly for the day and then like move on with it. Yeah, I guess we might talk about this more later, but I really appreciate 
how a lot of the times Fleabag is expressing how she feels like she would be a bad feminist because she has all these insecurity, like these insecurities about herself, like I wish I was prettier or I wish like I had the perfect body or like stuff like that, stuff that like feels trivial and like if feminism is real then we shouldn't care about that. But obviously, like, we do care about it, and it's okay to care about it. Like, hair is everything, right? Like, things like that, I think. I thought, I just love it. So let's jump into Claire. Yes. The best. Well, I don't want to say the best character. She's definitely up there. She's She is my personal favorite. <laughs> and I know that's, like, a bold claim. I don't think it's that bold. It. She's wonderful. I think I love watching her the most. Whenever she comes on the screen, my attention is almost always on her. Oh, yeah. I just think <laughs> it's so funny because I think compared to Fleabag, she's, like, definitely, I don't want to say, like, not as, like, bad, but she's definitely more put together, definitely very uptight, but somehow she ends up in the funniest situations, <laughs> and I just, I just love her, and she has the best reactions to everything. Oh, wow. I mean, we can talk about her relationship with Fleabag, too. I really appreciate the show just because I think it has such a great portrayal of a sisterly relationship, which is something I feel like we don't see a lot in media. Like, media is quite obsessed with a good brotherly relationship, which I, too, like a good brotherly relationship. But every once in a while, I think it's good to have some sisters on screen. And I just think their relationship dynamic is great, even though I don't have a sister, so I can't talk about this. But Carrie probably can. She has sisters. Yes, I do. I have three sisters. And I just want to say, this is like maybe jumping ahead a little bit to talking about the relationships on this show. But there is a moment in season one that like, it was the first, I think this was the moment that I like fell in love with this show, where, um... I think it's Claire goes to hug Fleabag after they attend the feminist lecture that their father buys them tickets for and Fleabag just slaps her and it's like it's so funny because it's so accurate to like how sister relationships can be sometimes where like you love that person and like you're very close to them but that kind of like casual affection is just like not part of the relationship at least in my experience so I thought that was very relatable and very funny. Yeah, I kind of love that. I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I don't know if we want to talk about the relationship now or later, but I think they're very good. I don't want to say foils to each other. Like, they're set up as being very opposite, I think. But as you learn more about them, I think you see more similarities between them. But also ways in which the ways that they are different maybe create some animosity between them or create misunderstandings that are the reason why their relationship can be difficult sometimes, but also why they love each other so much. Um, in terms of Claire as herself, Sean, I think her name is pronounced Sean Clifford. It's spelled weird. Yeah. I think it's Sean. I was watching interviews with her. <laughs> is it Sean? <laughs> <laughs> um, so... I think she's phenomenal. I have not seen her in anything else besides this, but whatever she, whatever else she's doing, I want to see that because I think she's amazing. Um, and I think Claire's could be seen as a good deconstruction of like the girl boss that you know, like pop feminism is like you got to be the girl boss. You got to go in there and you got to own it. And she, I think she's a very realistic portrayal of like how difficult that is. She's always so stressed out, which. I think she thrives on stress. Like, she kind of enjoys it. I think 
I think it's season two where she has that whole business thing and Fleabag has to help her and Fleabag's like saying to us, oh, she's so stressed, but she's happy because she's so stressed. She's loving it. Um, but I also think she's like definitely very emotionally and sexually repressed. Um, she's very over-controlling. She needs everything to be in control, which is why I think she sometimes struggles with Fleabag because Fleabag is very out of control. She's very spontaneous. Um, and I think that makes it hard for her to have a like, relationship with her sister. I think she's also always comparing herself to Fleabag because of that. I don't know. I love her, but she's struggling out here. Yeah, there's there's too many things about Claire. One, to talk about uh, the actress. She's so <laughs> funny. She's simultaneously both um, the straight man and the the comedian. Like, the scene in season one where um, Fleabag talks about whenever she's on her period, she has to reinvent herself, and she just walks yes, in this blue, blue suit. suit. It was so... It was it so funny. It was so funny. She just walks in, and they just turn and look at her. And that's it. And that's it. So it's like, so much, so much humor uh, in one person. And then, um, because uh, you got me thinking about this, Juliet, um, I, I agree in that I don't think they're foils. I think, more accurately, they're two sides of the same coin. Um, and what separates them, to me, is that what I think Claire is really jealous of, that Fleabag has that she doesn't, is freedom. However she has it, however she got it, Fleabag just feels... She's, she is not burdened by the shame other people feel and put onto herself. So she, do, she doesn't care about what other people think. And Claire just cannot get herself to comprehend that. Therefore, she, she strives so hard to work within the system, which is why she's suffering delightfully as a girl boss. Um, and yet um, still harbors like this jealousy for Fleabag. I mean, I think that's why I always, I like... I find Claire very relatable just because I feel like, like you said, she's envious of Fleabag's freedom and her ability to be funny and likable to people without really any care of what other people will think about her, which somehow makes her more likable to other people. Whereas Claire, I think she feels like she's very boring in comparison. You know, she has this really great job and she's making so much money. Her office is insanely big, but somehow she feels less less next to her sister even though Fleabag is like why do you feel this way like look at your office and Fleabag in many ways maybe feels like she should be more like Claire like she's like you know this always so put together the perfect body the perfect job she doesn't have to worry about money or anything like that so I think it's interesting how they are both maybe a little bit jealous of each other um when they maybe shouldn't be all the time yeah, and speaking of the job, there's like a moment in I think it's season two, episode one, when they're all like sitting around the dinner table and and they're all like her entire family says, We thought you were a yes. lawyer and she's like, No, I work in finance. Exactly. And it's like this is such a huge part of her identity and her own family doesn't even know what she does yeah. for a living. And it's just like I feel I felt so sorry for her and her moment. husband didn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean also, in that scene, she's also, like, 
talking about how great everything in Finland is going. And she's like, yeah, I just take all my emotions and bottle them up. And then I feel great. <laughs> and I was like, and the priest is like, uh, I don't think that's exactly what you should be doing. And I'm like, yes, Claire, that is all of us. But I think maybe something else that her and Fleabag have in common is that this whole family, they don't know how to talk about their emotions. <laughs> and I think for Claire, that manifests as her trying to be over controlling where she doesn't want anything like emotions that feel uncontrollable to be like out in the open but yeah this whole family has issues they cannot talk to each other they don't know anything about each other yeah and it's it's really wild too because it's just like reflecting on it i i think about like if the mother was still in this situation like what would this family look like because i guess it seems like it, it has to be that the mother was the glue keeping everyone together because in her absence everyone feels so separated yeah now. i wonder about this so i know fleabag is compared to her mom a lot like both like her dad directly says that she reminds him of her mom and you know she steals the statue which we can talk more about later that is actually supposed to be representative of her mom so i wonder if maybe i think her dad says something along the lines of like in the finale of season two that Fleabag like loves people so much and maybe that's what she got from her mom and so maybe her mom was somehow so lovable that she was able to hold everyone together though at the same time like I don't know how true that is like I don't know if they were actually talking about like very open with each other and knew each other and very close before the, her mom the mom passed away or whatever because I mean, I feel like it's such a drastic change when we see the funeral and they, um, Claire and Fleabag feel so separated from their father already. And I mean, obviously everyone grieves in their own way and maybe you want to be alone, but I don't know. It just feels like there was something more. Also the way that their personalities are, like, I feel like that's something that would be developed in childhood and maybe not just something that would come along like in adulthood. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I think because all we get of the mom is everyone's memories of her yeah. and also Fleabag herself, who we know is supposed to be similar to her. But we also know that like Fleabag is a very unreliable narrator, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And so it's hard to trust that, you know, we can we can guess that maybe the mom was like the glue that held this family together. But it's hard to trust that that's true, given everything else we know about them. You know what? This is this is literally like coming to my mind as we're discussing this. The word ob objectification is coming to my mind, and I'm just like, it's not that the family objectifies her, because it's like, they acknowledge, it's like, you know, their uh the flaws that she had in their relationships with her. However, I think it's the audience who ends up objectifying her, Um, just because it's like, the one thing we have to her memory is the statue made of her body, right? So an object connected to her, and how like, like I said, the characters, their feelings towards the mom is are are very real. Um, but because we never knew her and we will never know her, she can't be anything too huge to us. Yeah, I think this is something also people in general worry about when someone like close to them passes away. It's like, how do you remember them? And ultimately, like they can become just an object or like however your interpretation of them was like you lose a lot of who that person was especially if 
like in this family a lot they didn't even know that Claire was in finance they thought she was a lawyer like how much do you actually know about these people even though you're very close to them it's difficult I mean it's interesting too because I feel like the mom even though we she's never in the show I feel like she always has a presence there I don't know if you guys have anything else to say about Claire if not we can briefly talk about the dad yeah let's get into the parents listen the dad is also relatable because he can't talk to anyone oh, about I anything. Him. I love him. I want him to be my I grandpa. I know that you should be there more for Fleabag, but the whole time I'm like, I am him because I would not know what to say in this situation either. Yeah, no, no. And there's like this whole thing. There's this whole thing where it's just like, um, and he talks about how it's like the mom was better at feeling and stuff like that. But it's it's quite possible that... um. The mom was just better at recognizing her emotions and then talking about her emotions because I don't think the dad is un- is unempathetic. I think he does feel bad for what his daughters are going through. Um, and this is probably me projecting, but what I would say is that the father feels feels empathy, but he just doesn't know what to do with it. He he was never taught like how to help someone, especially when like they're going through something so intense. Um, he would see that and be like, yeah, that sucks. And I wouldn't know how to help you. I wouldn't know how to help myself. So I don't know how to help you. And that's what he struggles with. I also wonder how much of the barrier exists because I don't want to say like gender influences everything, but I feel like a lot of the thing, like he sends them to feminist lectures and he makes sure that they're all getting their breast exams because their mom died from breast cancer, like things like that. I feel like He's trying to fill the motherly hole, but he doesn't know how because he doesn't know how to be emotionally intimate or open and he doesn't really understand like female body things or he's like afraid to understand it. So I think it's hard for him in that respect too, where he feels the loss of his wife and he doesn't know how to relate to his daughters in part because of that. Yeah, I think there's also like some fear there like we talked about how he he's afraid to be alone in a room with Fleabag and the fact that he sends his daughters to feminist lectures like that's a nice gesture I guess but it also to me is like a real expression of distance like he he can send them off to this thing that he doesn't have to be involved in at all and that's how he tries to relate to them I feel like it's the same he gives Fleabag the therapy voucher um at the beginning of season two that's another thing where he's like I know that you're struggling I can see that you have problems but I do not know how to help you I can't like open up to you so I'm going to send you to someone who hopefully can which is good people should go to therapy but um I think it's interesting like he can't even be in a room with Fleabag alone like and it's his daughter yeah, and I mean, it's the whole thing of, like, there is care in the gifts that he gives to Fleabag and Claire, but it's just the whole problem of, it's like, he has an idea of what they need, and sometimes he's right, like, therapy voucher, but then he he just can't go up to them and be like, what do you need? Yeah, his, his love language is gift-giving, but, like, from a distance. Only. Yes, he tosses the gift. Yep. And runs away. He tosses the gift and runs. <laughs> he goes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you want to t- start talking about the stepmother now too, but I always wondered like, what did he, what did he see in her? Like, why are they together? Because even 
when they're flashing back to the funeral and she's being overly like overbearing and in his face and obviously trying to get with him at his wife's funeral he's like oh she's a bit annoying isn't she or something along the lines of that but he still obviously like loves her enough he has that whole speech with Fleabag where he's like I deserve to be happy and like she is what makes him happy so I always wondered what it was about her that he liked I don't no one has to have an answer it's a difficult question maybe it's just because she's Olivia Coleman and how can you not like Olivia Coleman he's a male wife punching <laughs> bag are you wrong though <laughs> I don't think I'm wrong. And I love him for it. I love him for it. I mean, maybe there's a part of her being an artist, like, very open and, like, free expression that maybe he finds appealing because he can't express himself in any way. But that could be a bit of a stretch. Actually, no, I feel like you're getting onto... I feel like you're touching onto something with that, where it's just, like, um, something I wish was talked about more or discussed more when it comes like uh to romantic relationships is how a couple can feel jealous of each other (laughs) right it's like it's the whole thing of like we get into relationships because we're trying to like fill where we lack and it makes sense that it's like when we see the person we love have the things that we can't muster in ourselves it's just like yeah we would be Mm -hmm. envious of that so it's just like this like weird mix of admiration and envy that like is just like I still love you but it's like you make yeah. me feel weird. I think you could say that like we kind of said that about Claire and Fleabag's relationship too like I think that's something that can happen a lot. Yeah. But if you want to the only thing I had to say about the stepmother is one I love Olivia Coleman but two when I started watching it like in the first episode at first when she was introduced I was like oh she doesn't seem that bad. But she is the most passive-aggressive person I have ever seen. And I come into contact with a lot of passive-aggressive people. Ah, but she's so good. She's so good at it. Yeah, the only thing I want to add is, like, I think she's evil. And, like, the the brilliant thing about her is you don't realize it at first, even though that that's kind of the first thing that Fleabag tells us about her, is, like, she's not a good person. Yeah. And we know this, but, like, she comes across almost as, like, so sweet and, like, I don't know, she just pulls you in and then she'll, like, say something so horribly mean and, like, awful and that it's actually shocking. And, like, I I also just love Olivia Coleman and I think she's a genius. Yeah, you know what it is? It's, like, she's that person that can identify that one thing that you're really insecure about and she will, like, nicely attack you for it, like... She is brutal. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's all I had to say about her. That's all that needs to be said. The only thing I have to say about Martin is that I hate him too. <laughs> and somehow, I don't know what they did in season two, but somehow they changed his, like, I guess the hair and the beard, and I don't know if it's how he dressed or something, but somehow he looked more like a douche in season two. <laughs> And I oh, was like, so ah, yes, disgusting. this is it. I hate him. I mean, yeah. I think it's interesting because, like, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about this now, but I think, Carrie, you said that he's, like, very similar to Fleabag. And I think he is. But I don't know what system of heart. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But there's definitely something. Yeah. Maybe it's that Fleabag can care about people outside of herself. 
I'm sh there's there's definitely like layers to it, but I think one thing that like definitely separates them is that like Martin knows he's an asshole and does nothing to change that. He's just like this is who I am and I st I'm still capable of doing nice things. You should accept me. Whereas Fleabag is just like I am an asshole. I have not taken the time to evaluate myself to change, but I want to change. And I think yeah, that's what separates them. Like even thinking about when Claire wants to leave him and she's like literally on her knees, like, please leave me. Um, I think he's like telling her, oh, I make you laugh. That's always what was most important. Like he's never talking about how he can change to make things better for her. He's not ever really listening to Claire about what she wants. Like he doesn't even know her. There's that episode in season one where he's like, he doesn't know what to get her for her birthday and they go shoe shopping. He's like, I don't know what shoes she is. <laughs> like, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. He doesn't know what shoes she is. He doesn't know what job she does. <laughs> no. All of the above. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, so, if we want to talk about Fleabag and Martin a little bit, like, Fleabag is, is very confident that she is, like, a better person than Martin, I think, but the similarities between them are uncomfortable, and when they're revealed, I think she's very uncomfortable with those similarities, and, like, one thing especially is, one of the first things she says about him is he's horribly sexually inappropriate in every situation, which, so is she, <laughs> like, um... Yeah, and and I also like that you mentioned that scene in season two where Claire is literally down on her knees begging him to leave her because it kind of parallels that scene in season one, like at the end of season one, where um, Claire accuses Fleabag of like coming on to Martin when we know it was the other way around. And in that scene, Claire chooses Martin over Fleabag, but then obviously in season two, she's literally begging him to leave her. So there's a lot of development from Claire also in the way that she relates to both of those characters. Yeah. I mean... Harry. <laughs> Do we want to talk about Harry? Harry. Okay. Listen, I think my opinion on Harry is biased because he's played by the dude that also plays... What's his name? And Mamma Mia 2. Young... Name? Is it Harry also, Harry. right? Yes. I wanted Harry. to say Harry and I was like, no, that's Fleabag. <laughs> He plays young Harry oh, in Baba Mia 2, and I love young Harry. He's the best suitor in that movie, whatever. But Harry and Fleabag, <laughs> listen, he's a douche. He's, like, that nice guy that's, like, you're not like other girls, you know? He's, like, you're not like other girls. You're actually smart or something like that. But listen, he is so funny. <laughs> I literally... He's Every so time funny. I watch that scene where she scares him in the shower and he just starts crying, I can't handle it. I too would cry. <laughs> oh man, I love him. I know I shouldn't, but I do. And yeah, no, hot take. I also don't hate I, him. Yeah, no. I think maybe what it is is like he's a weird blend of like like, kind of, like, a misogynist, like, he, like, he basically tells Fleabag that she's smarter than other girls or whatever, but he also is weirdly emotionally vulnerable to the point where, like, he's at Fleabag's mom's funeral, 
and Fleabag is the one that has to comfort him while he's grieving. Like, it's weird and kind of hilarious, but also kind of sad. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Also, I'm just biased because he's Harry from Mamma Mia too. I think about this a lot. I know. I just see him and I'm like, that's the guy who sings Waterloo yes. and I don't think critically about anything else. Brain full of so many thoughts suddenly. Oh my empty. gosh. Listen. Also, when he's like, when he says, I forget what the line is, like, I forget what he says, but he and Felipe are breaking up, and then she's like, oh, but you should write that down in your songbook. It's really good. I think it's so good. It's so funny. He He's so funny. However, him being funny and him also being the guy who plays young Harry um, aren't, aren't the only things that make me not hate him. There's a part of me that's kind of incapable of hating him because it's just like, I recognize he's like a bad person. Like, that is true. However... I think it's also kind of undeniable that you know, Fleabag chose to be in a relationship with him for a reason, and it's because she can manipulate him, and she was manipulating him. And so it's just like, they shouldn't have been together, um, But and he's a bad guy, but it's also not completely Yeah, I think something fault. we don't, like, I don't really think about a lot when I'm watching this show is that when they finally break up, like, permanently, and Fleabag is sad that he doesn't want to get back together with her like he usually does. Like, I feel bad for Fleabag, but I shouldn't because, like you said, she was manipulating him the whole time and the relationship is not healthy. Like, he has as much reason to want to get away from that relationship as Fleabag should. So, like, it's interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about it like that. I think we almost feel bad for her because, like, on paper, the relationship should work almost or like I think the way her family sees it Mm -hmm. like they all love him and they they're like oh they should stay together and we almost end up wanting the same thing even though we see what the family doesn't see which is that it's obviously a very dysfunctional relationship and that the end of that relationship leaves them both better off yeah um for sure I mean I guess we have, like, two main-ish characters left to talk about, and one mainly appears in season one, main- one mainly appears- only appears in season two. Um, we can talk about Boo first. I think I was thinking about this when you mentioned, like, the objectification of the mother. I think in some ways, like, Boo- I don't want to say she's objectified, but I don't think- like, everything we know about Boo is also through Fleabag's memories of her- and so I don't think we really see her as fully as a person as maybe we see some other characters because she is dead in the present day. Um, but that doesn't mean, like, I still love Boo. I think her relationship with Fleabag is a very good representation of, like, female friendship, the way that they kind of, <laughs> like, they know each other's insecurities and they love each other despite them they gas each other up like but they also don't let them each other get away with like doing terrible things or like letting their flaws just be there and not want to change anything um some people think that uh 
Fleabag is talking to Boo and she's talking to the camera? I don't think so. But it'd be interesting if she was like a ghost because her name is Boo. Which I guess figuratively she is like a ghost. But <laughs> yeah, figuratively she is because she haunts Fleabag because Fleabag feels guilt. But yeah, names are clearly very important in this show because some characters don't have them and some do. And I think Boo is like the name that I find the most significant because um, Boo is, as you said, that's what ghosts say. Like, it's what you yell at someone when you want to scare them on Halloween or whatever. Like, it's, it's like, scary, but it's also, like, a term of endearment to be like, oh, that's my Boo. Like, <laughs> you know? And so I think that Boo as a character is, like, both of those things. Like, she's the friend, but she's also the ghost. And, like, Fleabag is haunted by her. And we see her in flashbacks, so she's not, like, objectified, like you said. She's embodied as, like, an actual character, but is she really? Because we don't ever see her alive. We only see, like, we see her alive, but only in memories. <laughs> we don't see her alive in the present day. So it's, like, I don't know. I just love that name. I think it's, it's like, so short and so succinct and captures so much about her. Boo as a character is such a testament to how... And I don't want to say simple because it's not like the relationship was simple or anything, but it's just like the delivery was very simple, but honest and earnest and showed off how loving Boo was and how much Fleabag loved Boo. Um, and how that, you know, just like how we were talking about uh, the significance of the name also being scary. It's just like their relationship maybe scared Fleabag. Like what what could she ever mm -hmm. do without Boo? And now she's, you know, learning to do that throughout season one. Yeah, and she's scared still of, like, finding this kind of emotional intimacy that she had with Boo, um, which is just what I was thinking as you said that. Like, that fear is kind of left over because she'll maybe never have that again. And part of the reason for that is she's scared to even try to find that, which I think if we want to talk about the priest, I don't know. My, I my think she, she comes close to, to finding that again with him. But Yeah. Yeah. I guess before we completely move on to the hot priest, um, I also just want to talk about, um, I love, I love the memories uh, Fleabag has of Boo and how like wonderfully intimate their relationship was, but it was always complotonic. It's like they're soulmates, but not romantically. Yeah. Yes, it's like they're soulmates. Yeah, because they, they are. And I, and also, also Boo was a bimbo, and I love. She was that a supportive bimbo. <laughs> she was so good. She was so good. Yeah. Um. Speaking of people that Fleabag tries to have soulmatey relationships with uh full disclosure i love andrew scott i loved him before i watched the show and i kind of really love the hot priest but who doesn't love the hot priest because he's is he not just the perfect man <laughs> besides the he fact is. that he I is a priest he. and you cannot have a relationship with him oh gosh um I don't know. Like, I don't even know what to say. I think, I mean, I guess we can talk about this later when we talk a little bit more about how re religion or faith is represented in the show. But I just appreciated that he was, like, he's, like, a very, I don't want to say empathetic. Like, 
open approach to religion where, like, yeah, he's a Catholic priest, right? And you imagine that they tend to be very strict about their religion. But he's very open to it. He's open to the idea that Fleabag doesn't believe in God. And she is questioning all these things in the Bible. She's like, you know, it says that light came on this day, and then a few days later, the sun came. And he's like, oh yeah, that's complete bullshit. Um, And he's very open about maybe the shortcomings that exist within the religion, but he, at the same time, he, like, loves his faith, and it's something that brings him a lot of purpose, and so I think that was such a good representation, because he's very relatable, he's not overly haughty or, like, removed from humanity, because he is a spiritual man, or anything like that. Um, yeah, I just love that, and... He's adorable, and I like his punny restaurant reviews, and also, every time I watch that scene where he's like, his brother is a pedophile, I just start laughing, partly because I think of the bruiser sketch, and partly because it's just so ironic. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you want, we can talk about his relationship with back now or do you want to talk about it later we can talk about it now um i mean i guess we were talking about boo as being fleabag's like soulmate even if it was platonically before and i think the priest maybe is the first person like you said that she feels like actually could be that person for her again like obviously he the most noticeable thing is that he notices when she's talking to us when she's breaking the fourth wall he notices that she's not completely there that she goes somewhere which is obviously a metaphorical sign that he can see who she really is or at least see more of her than what she wants people to see and that's like a very scary thing for her she builds up this persona of not caring what other people think about her um and the fact that someone could actually see through that and see the real her it's like being naked like in front of people it's like scary it's vulnerable um and so she's initially put off by that but I just like even if I know that they do end up developing romantic feelings for each other but even without the romantic feelings I just think they had such a great relationship like I'm sad that they can't be friends anymore I'm sad (laughs) yeah I'm also sad (laughs) I feel like his whole existence is, like, kind of a riff on this idea that, like, the perfect man does not exist, or, like, if he does, he's unattainable, because he kind of is perfect, at least for Fleabag. Like, they get along so well, and they understand each other so well, and yet the relationship is unattainable because he's a priest, which is just, like, tragic to me, but it's also not tragic because he's you know, he's being true to himself and, like, that's what he wants. And, like you said, I love his relationship to his faith also. I think it's very well done as somebody who is ex-Catholic. Like, say. yeah. As someone who grew up Catholic. and Grew up Catholic. I'm no longer Catholic. Like, where were those priests when I was in the Catholic Church? Because I felt very judged by the priests that I came okay. in contact with. But he's, like... <laughs> He's the best. Is this the Catholic confession? Because I will say, every anytime I had to go in a church and actually interact with like a priest, like some some of them, they were probably nice people. I don't know, but I was always so afraid. I was like, they can see through me. They know that I lied to my parents. That one day, 
all those years ago about eating the last cookie or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, listen, Catholic guilt is a real thing. And I'm just so happy to see a priest like that I think embodies the better sides of Catholicism or shows how you can have a healthy relationship with it without all this like doom and gloom, you're going to hell unless you do this kind of like mentality. Yeah, I I second the Catholic guilt <laughs> thing. It's very real and confession was very it's scary. So scary. Yeah, I always thought they could, like, read my mind. Yeah, I had a priest one time, like, I went in and I, like, said my sins, and then he was like, is that it? Yeah. Do you have anything more? And I was like, uh, that wasn't in my script. So, yeah, I just wish we had fewer judgmental priests out there. Um, I, yeah, I appreciate that about him. And I think also, like, he makes it kind of fun. Like, I like his little fun church outfits, how he's, like, really obsessed with the really opulent robes. I think that's really cute. And, I mean, I don't know, kind of relating to how he can see when Fleabag breaks the fourth wall, which is, like, kind of her coping mechanism, like, were her coping mechanism for her, but also kind of the baggage that she carries around. I don't know what you guys think the fox represents. Like, there's the fox that always follows the priest everywhere. And maybe it's also, like, similar to the fourth wall breaking for him, where it's, like, all of the things that he can't deal with that he's carrying around for him. Because obviously before he joined the church, he had, like, a very troubled life. His parents are alcoholics and his brother is a pedophile. Doesn't sound like the best life, you know? Um... So I, we don't really know what happened before he became a priest, before he meets Fleabag. And the fox is still there at the end of the show, still following him. So I was wondering, like, how much you think he's actually grown. Because I feel like he, like Fleabag definitely grows from her relationship with the priest. And I feel like he also grows, too, if only in the fact that it makes him more sure that the life he chose as a priest is the life that he wants to live, even despite not being able to have this relationship with Fleabag. Um, but I was wondering what you think about the fox still being there at the end. What does it represent? Any ideas? I almost think, I almost think that like the fox is supposed to be simple and obvious in what it represents. But, but I genuinely do think that it's just like, we know that the fox represents his past trauma and it still follows him this day and like he's afraid of it he can't confront it he doesn't even want to look at any fox um which is why he gets so startled at the thought of a fox being around him but i almost think that like that's kind of that's kind of just it it's just like we know he also has his own baggage and um fleabag after getting to know him can now witness it for himself that it's just like yeah, I knew this guy had his own problems, and I knew, but, like, he looked, he seemed so fine to me, and now in this moment where it's like, I truly love him, I can see him for exactly who he is, and who he is is also a broken man trying to figure himself out. Yeah, I think the interpretation of the fox as his, like, emotional baggage and trauma is really interesting, because at the end of the season, Fleabag sends the fox after him, like, one of the last things she says, if not the last thing, is he went that way to the fox. And so it's like, if you interpret it that way, I start to wonder at least like why she would do that. Like, why would she tell the fox knowing that he's afraid of the fox? 
to like go follow him i get i don't know <laughs> i mean i guess it's like she's finally learned to at least confront this part of herself a little bit like she leaves us behind the camera and she walks away at the end and the music is like she's gonna be all right um and so maybe it's the fact that he still needs to deal with and confront his emotional trauma in some way and she wants that for him i don't know yeah i'm pretty much in the same boat it's like she tells the fox to go find him because um like she knows that he has to go confront his demons and like she's kind of just the first step um since we're already kind of talking about their relationship and uh the religious stuff um i guess i wanted to mention how it's like one i i agree it's also they can't be they can't like talk to each other after the end of season two but i also like the beauty in that and how it's just like yeah they needed to find each other and they needed to have this relationship with each other but that was all it could have been they were just two ships passing by and and what they had was important but also could not last longer than what it did and i think that's nice because what it shows is that like the people who like are in your life briefly and then leave are still impactful and still important to your life and i like that because it makes like almost all the little relationships you've had over the course of your life important and then um regarding the religious stuff um i love like you guys are saying i love how instead of like pushing guilt onto people he is way more in the camp of like no like second chances exist you can be forgiven you just have to forgive yourself and how it's just like it's it's the positive spin that exist in religion we just always kind of forget about it because it's so easy for like guilt to be thrown onto us and that's what we remember and that's what sticks with us um and i think i had one more point but i can't i can't remember it so i love him <laughs> your honor i love him yeah me too <laughs> i mean i guess in relate i maybe i have two points um but in relation to like faith and their relationship i think there's a very clear, like, I don't want to say the word relationship again, like, connection between faith and love in the second season. Like, I think um, at one point, uh, Fleabag is like, she, or like, she says something about, like, after her mother dies, she doesn't know what to do with all the love that she gave to her. And then later on, the priest is talking about love and his, like, wedding speech thing at the dad and the stepmother's wedding and he's like um oh gosh I was taught if we're born with love then life is about choosing the right place to put it and so I think faith is kind of like a form of love for them whereas like Fleabag has to learn to put faith in other people again to be vulnerable with them and so it's not just about faith as religion but also as having faith in other people and the priest is someone that you can do that with um, also, I just want to mention that I love Fleabag's confession in the, um, in the confession booth where she's like, she wants someone to tell her how to live her life because I think a lot of the times we feel like that, like we feel like we're getting it wrong or we want to believe that there's some grand plan for us and sometimes there just isn't. But I don't know if you guys have other things you want to say. We can talk about some other themes. Um, 
if you want to talk about feminine rage, feminism, any thoughts, Victoria? I know you have thoughts about this. I have I have so many thoughts, but um, I would be remiss if he didn't conclude the character thing with at least talking about um, the bank manager. Because I love him. I do. Um, because he very much gives me... Um, okay, he gives me miniature BoJack vibes in the sense that he did something, but unlike BoJack, is actually working through it, wants to be better, and it's just like, not only like... He's not doing it to be forgiven and to get the guilt, guilt off of his head. He like he feels guilty and everything, but he genuinely loves his wife and he loves his kids and he wants to be a part of the family again. And I love this man because I think he's he's the first character who made me cry. I, I always talk about it where it's just like he's talking to Fleabag at the retreat and she's on the girl side and he's on the guy side. So, so funny. And he talks about how it's like, all he wants to do is wash a cup and see his wife use it in the morning and feel good about it. And I was just like, it's so simple, but means so much. I am crying. Um, so I love that, like, despite getting off on the wrong foot, and it was just very, 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 very wrong foot, um, that they we're able to look past each other and have this moment of bonding and we see this bond continue into season two. Yeah, I was gonna say, he was the character I was talking about where at the non very beginning, where I was like, it would be so easy to make him a character that you just don't like and leave him that way. Like he's an asshole and he sexually harassed someone at work. Um, and But then you get to see how much just like Fleabag he wants to grow, and he wants to become better, and that's also the first time I cried in the show. And I think that's also the first time that we actually hear Fleabag be honest about her feelings to someone else that isn't the audience. She's like, the only thing she says to him is, I want to cry all the time. And you feel that, and I feel like that's the first time that she's ever opened with someone. And they just build such a great relationship. Like, he comes to the cafe, and he brings her a hamster. So cute. <laughs> Yeah, when when Fleabag said I want to cry all the time, I felt that. Um, but yeah, I also love him. And is he the one who has the line about pencils? Oh yeah, it's Boo's. <laughs> Not the Claire line. It's Boo's line, but yeah, it's Boo's. But I think it it happens like in that scene where they're both just kind of realizing that they can make mistakes and be redeemed from those mistakes or at least move on with life and it's not a reason to like be paralyzed by what they've done in the past and I wouldn't say that he's necessarily like completely redeemed like I don't know that I forgive him for what he did but I I see the growth in him and I can appreciate the growth and how he like gives it back to Fleabag and like helps her out when she really needs it and it's beautiful yeah um so, I mean, we've talked about some of the themes a little bit, but I think something that I really want to touch on is definitely the feminine gaze and feminine rage part, and maybe a little bit about the titty stretcher, <laughs> and I don't know, maybe grief too. I think grief is such a big part of the show, um, but I don't know if you guys want to start with the feminine rage and then move on from there. I feel like the titty statue can relate to that. 
Oh, um, this is this is a bad segue. It's it's kind of the wrong segue, but I remembered the the last thing I wanted to mention about at least the theme of religion. So we're still in themes, um, which is uh, before I took my shower today, I was thinking of, I was thinking about faith because I've been thinking about faith a lot. And I'm just like, why do I like how other people talk about it versus other people? And like, there's some obvious reasons for that. Um, and it's just like, why do I myself like I can believe that God exists, but I don't, but I don't think that like any written texts or stuff are like super accurate just because how would we know? But when some people talk about God and their experience with God, it's just like, it makes me want to believe in him. And I think it's because like the hot priest, when someone is just very earnest about how they talk about their faith and how it genuinely affects them, but like, they only want to talk about like how it has moved them. And there's like, no, like, they're not trying to get you to also join in. They're not trying to convince you. Like they're just saying what their experience is. That's when I genuinely believe that God exists because it's just like, he has to exist for them to have had that connection. And I want to believe their connection. That's when I most believe in God. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely feel that. Like there's just something so earnest about it. You've definitely, it's just in the way they talk about it. you have to believe that they at least feel affected in some way and so there must be something if you want to talk about another theme can i just say <laughs> there are like several points in the show that are very like feminine and one is when fleabag is on i think the subway i don't know what you call it in britain um, she's on the subway and like she's getting her period and she realizes because all the people around her are like having cramps to AWOL Nation sale. It's so good. And also her whole monologue about how hair is everything after Claire gets that terrible haircut. Claire just has so many iconic lines. She looks like a pencil. My favorite line in the entire show is Claire saying, I look like a pencil. Because it's so, I, there's something so perfect about it. Like, I I would never think to say that. Like, that comparison. I don't know how they thought of that. And I don't know how it fits so perfectly. Not only, like, how she looks, but, like, the energy that she's giving off in that moment. It's so good. I also, I mean, obviously, I think the whole speech that Fleabag has with Melinda where Melinda is like monologuing about how women carry their pain in, within them and you know men have to create it outside of them and everything like that I don't know the thing is like I can't put into words what she is saying but I feel it you know I like feel it so like within my core I'm 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 start I'm starting to like shake because I love her speech so much and I I I want to show that speech to like every man I know. I want to show it to everyone I know because it's just so powerful how true it is because it feels so true. It's just like why because we all experience pain, but it's just like why it 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 feels correct that it is inherent in us. And why does it feel so true? Why? <laughs> I mean, I guess you can wonder how much of it is, like, our biology and how much of it is just society and how society is structured. Um, yeah, I just... Like, I can't even express it. I think it's just the fact that Fleabag is dealing with 
a lot of issues that modern women deal with, whether that's her not getting pleasure from her sexual relationships or her feeling like she's not a good feminist or anything like that. I just feel like maybe it's a representation of feminine rage. Like she's not out here hurting anyone physically, but she is angry a lot of the time, angry at herself and at other people. I don't know. It's just, I cannot express what I feel. But Um, you feel it, and that's what matters. Yes, I feel. Also, I mean, I don't want to jump around too much, I guess, but I just wanted to mention, in relation to grief, the whole thing Fleabag says, I I know I already said it, but she says, like, She doesn't know what to do with all the love she has for her mom after her mom passes away. I think that's such a, like, that's a thought that I've never heard expressed out loud. But ever since I've heard that line, I can't stop thinking about it. And then Boo saying that she'll take it, but then Fleabag loses Boo too. And it's just, ah, I'm sad. (laughs) I'm always sad. Yeah, it makes you wonder also, like, now she has all this love for her mom and for Boo and what's she gonna do with it now and like where will she put it and I think throughout seasons one and two we see her like slowly start to give more of it away um like especially we we've talked about the hot priest and their relationship but to me also especially to Claire like they go from being like unable to hug without slapping each other to like I think there's a moment I can't remember what episode there's a moment where they actually do hug and then we get like this great line at the wedding scene um, where I think it's Claire who says it, the only person I'd run through an airport for is you, which is like, yeah. I think that was the one that made me cry. So I'm like, oh, it's so, it's so sweet. That whole scene between them always makes me cry because obviously Claire saying that and then Fleabag encla- encouraging Claire to like go and leave and chase after the other Claire because she loves the him. Other Claire. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, this is what I wanted. Yeah, you see their relationship grow so much. And she gives so much of her love to her sister. Even though, like, I think earlier on in the season, um, Claire has that speech where she's like, we're not friends, we're sisters. And there's a difference between that. And so maybe Fleabag has to work on finding more friends that she can give her love to. But I definitely think their sisterly relationship has grown so much. And I love them. I don't know if anyone had any other points they want to talk about before we wrap this up. I would like to say the music is iconic. Both the opening in season one and the opening, the religious chorus in season two. Very good. I think a controversial last take, but if... If the sex and stuff really does skeeve you out, I noticed um, when I was rewatching season two that season two is actually rated PG-13, whereas um, the first season is uh, M. So it's like controversial. But if you can't handle like all the sex stuff, I really do think you could just start from season two and watch there. My parents actually started watching season two first because I was watching episode one of season two and they came home from like a dinner or something when I was watching it and they just started watching it and they liked it. So they actually started with season two and then watched season one and they totally enjoyed it. So you can do that. Um, Perfect. And if anything, if you're going to watch anything, 
at least watch episode one of season it's two. It's so good. It literally yes. is a short film. Com- it, it's a whole story. It's complete. There are character arcs at dinner. Well, with that, um, thank you so much for listening to us. Again, we're Sunday Reads at Instagram, and please keep following us because we have more things to say. Um, bye, y'all.